Welcome to Kyle and Dave vs. The Machine. My name is Kyle. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know, I'm stressed out. I'm paranoid. Par- a paranoid parent. Paranoid. A paranoid parent. Of course you would be. And I'm the machine. Parent paranoid. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to. Although, we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Searching. Hey, sweetheart. Where are you? Study group. I'm gonna go all night. Oh, one more thing. I want to know Dad. about the final you t- took today. I'm Margo. I'm 15. Student. 911, what's your emergency? I'm calling to report a missing person. Okay, who is this regarding? My daughter. I'm the detective assigned to your daughter's case. I need to know how everything unfolded. Understood. I think we're gonna go late, like, all night. One, after a study session, Margot didn't return home. Margot Kim, school has her marked as absent today. Two, she didn't attend school on Friday. My daughter is in a lesson with you right now. Margot canceled her classes six months ago. And three, she's been transferring funds for the last six months. Are you going to put in a modem modem noise? I, that put me off <laughs> when this thing started. Okay, keep going. My question is whether or not there would actually have been a modem sound. In 2013, uh, uh, no. In, in 2013. Yeah. But um, actually, it would have been 2003. Oh, maybe. Because the girls... Uh, yeah. Anyways, doesn't matter. How wild, Dave, if we were to record this week's episode where both of us were just on a computer screen <laughs> for the entire time. How how Imagine. odd would that be to interact with a world where it's only on your computer it's, screen? I mean, it's just hard to comprehend a reality in which two mm-hmm. physical manifestations of human beings would only see each other through some weird LCD monitor. LED, sorry, this, uh, LED monitors. We both have IMAX because yeah. we're what we have rich, been doing wealthy. the past few weeks is jumping and talking about the movie way before we normally talk about the movie. But I have to say this right now: Why? having watched this movie for the first time in the middle of COVID uh, lockdowns and stuff like that, had a very unique experience sure. because it's like, yeah, this is this is my experience Norm. every single yeah, day, yeah, yeah. staring at the computer for eight or nine hours and like interacting with people and talking with people and clicking on things and. It felt very uh, resonant at the time very when real. I first watched this. It was so real. Mm-hmm. Which and I to to really uh, enhance the experience. Yeah, like the first time I watched this motion. was yeah. on a computer. I actually oh, watched it wow. on a computer screen. Meta, 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 triple meta. Yeah, yeah. meta cubed. Which I still remember because the first time I watched this, I'm like every time the mouse moved, I was like, oh my god, my mouse <laughs> is on the screen. <laughs> that, <laughs> oh yeah, I could see that. Other than the uh, first. 60 minutes of window yeah. interface. Ugh, Windows. <laughs> Disgusting. Windows XP. That was a, that was a throwback for sure. Uh, okay, Dave, when people tune in to this very program, they of program. course love to hear us wax poetic Ew. on old technologies, yeah. but they also yeah. come in and want to hear about uh, this deep and rich I don't think people even fiction. know what kilobit is anymore. Uh, they want to hear this deep and rich fiction that we provide to them each and every week. What's been happening the last week, Dave? Yeah, stuff. <laughs> we uh, do things and then uh, we tell people about them. 
you know, important What's going on with these people that have been just standing outside here for, for I weeks we and left weeks? the people behind. Didn't we push a button there? I, I have not been keeping track. Well, the machine universe. got mad at us last yeah. week because of us missing a week the week before. Okay, I remember that. I mean, we, we apparently had other people angry about it. They also left us a cryptic message saying that we're all going to die. That's um, part for the course. Yeah. yeah. And then I believe this week, you were telling me this yes, I remember. Right before we started yeah, yeah. recording, of course, Clearly. is that uh, they stole something important to you. What was this important thing that they stole from I you? I haven't discovered it yet, but now that they've mentioned it, I'm going to have to search for it. The problem is, Kyle, I don't think we have any belongings here. So maybe my dignity, Did they, is that what they stole? Because I don't have much of that <laughs> left either. What do I have of value, Kyle? This is becoming a different conversation. What do I have left well, to be to be determined, Dave. To be determined. Well, yes, we'll finally we'll fi- we'll come to the some type of conclusion. I'm sure by the end of this week's episode. But first, before we get there, let's talk about our history with some of the people involved with this film. Uh, tell me about your history with John Cho. Oh yeah, John Cho's nice. What is my history with John Cho? I will uh, strike from the record his failed attempt at Cowboy Bebop. But uh, mm. of course, we all know. I mean, most of us know about him starting off in American Pie and then doing the Harold and Kumar movies. So big shout out for Koreans going out and being funny and actually being in blockbuster films in the, what is that, early 2000s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep seeing articles about, we're going back to R-rated gross out comedies. I didn't realize we lost them. I thought that was a normal thing. No, there hasn't really been a theatrical release one for... A while. Uh, okay. Although I did go and see Bottoms here. This I've uh, heard it's okay. Thoughts? It's, it's yeah. good. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't uh, love it. Love it. But there is Made you laugh. a couple of well-timed jokes. I was LOLing in the theater. So. You know who's the? If you want to hear an LOL, uh, take my son mm-hmm. to something funny in a theater. It is shocking. <laughs> he he fucking <laughs> he lets it loud. out. Oh yeah, makes me a little self-conscious actually. He he cackles. We watched Blue Beetle, you know that. He actually cried in an uh-huh. emotional scene. I think I told you that too. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah. Okay, um yeah, and then I think, you know, it's always easy to project in hindsight, but I suspect I, I think he's a good actor and I think that if he hadn't been he's a great. trailblazer and if he was appearing now, he would kind of be the Steven Yeun thing too because he can Potentially. Yeah, he could yeah. do that sort of stuff. Uh, but I know he likes uh, a good fun. I saw him on, not only the most, the after party. He's pretty good in that. Mm-hmm. And he can do, he can keep hamming it. And he's, you know, he's good. I, I like him. I wish I weirdly saw enough, more often. Weirdly enough, this is the fourth film we're discussing that has John Cho in it. Uh, American Pie. Because yeah. he's in American Pie. He shows up for like, which he shows up for like two seconds. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he also, part, right. That's yeah. true. But the other two bit parts he's in, again, I think he has a line in both of them is Bowfinger and American Beauty. He shows up in one scene. What? So Why don't I remember like, that? All in 1999, yeah. he shows up, in the, up. Like, his entire running time <laughs> in those three movies like four is minutes. M- maybe a minute and a half. <laughs> like maybe like, <laughs> wait, wait, uh, I don't remember him in, uh, Bowfinger or, Mar- I mean, I'm sure we talked about it. Literally, yeah, we talked about this in both episodes. In Bowfinger, he's literally in some shop or something that, that Steve Martin is talking yeah. in. I literally think he just a goodbye and then yeah. they, they walk okay. out. <laughs> like it's He's not in it for very much. And then uh, same thing with American Beauty. It's He's a friend of the daughter who shows up in their kitchen. Literally, they sh- they cut over to him, his reaction shot, and that's it. That's the, the only thing he's in the All movie right. for. But now you look back and be like, why is John Cho in this for like five seconds? This is now so you gotta weird. Now got to start somewhere. It's great. Yeah, yeah, you turn that into a mini franchise so or a, a movie and a sequel. So that's good. Because 
I have seen this movie before. Yes. I have a bold opinion that is, um, I think John Cho should have been nominated for best actor for this This year, this Uh, year at the Academy Awards. I I think he's that good in it. Really good in it. He is really good. I think he's very good in it. I'm just trying to think, uh, I mean, who won? Rami Malek from Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I, I mean, John Cho was not wearing prosthetic teeth. That's so, right. If he had, then he would have been front runner. Made his eyes more squinty. Could have had like uh, some uh, plasticine mm. on his face. Uh, who else was nominated? I mean, you would know this. Trying to make me do this off the top of my, uh, of my head. Um, well, let's just look it up because I'm not going to remember. <laughs> let's search for it. Let's search. Because I can remember all the actresses for some reason. I cannot remember any Sexist. of the actors. Yeah. Best actor. Okay. So, we the other four nominees yes and that Vigo. year's was yeah. we had Vigo yeah. from Green Book I mean we had Bradley Cooper from A Star Is Born we had Christian Bale in Vice and then Weak. the last See, one is the one we did not watch this year which was Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate wow yeah I mean Vice that's tough you know it's a tough crowd if the Academy had balls they would have nominated Andrew Garfield in Under the Silver Lake also this movie's pretty small but I do remember hearing that it was underrated so it does incredibly well for an independent film we'll get to that okay. in part way through but it does incredibly well for an independent film probably all the korean americans went to go see it <laughs> maybe probably it, not it, it's also the worldwide number so i didn't check 100 percent to see what it was just u.s only but um anyways john cho i think he's been under appreciated as an actor i think he is seen as a trailblazer a lot of his i don't know oh yeah, he was good in star uh, trek attempts at like main, he was a good sulu oh yeah, 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 yeah. he's like yeah. the new, yeah. the new uh, sulu yeah. but uh, uh he's also a lot of his other projects i know a couple of tv shows not the cowboy bebop stuff but there was another tv show that was critically acclaimed but only lasted half a season, oh, wow. half a season. some other Racist. film projects that he started yeah. that didn't, uh, didn't pan out fizzled out mm-hmm. Carolyn Kumar, of course, got three movies out of that. Oh, it was a three, so. a trilogy. Three. I don't remember. Escape from Guantanamo Bay, I believe, is the uh, third one. I hope he so. made money on those. Hard with the minority actors, whether they were brokering the same deals as their white counterparts of that era. But mm-hmm. uh, I would imagine they got some money out of it. He seems mm-hmm. he seems okay, but he's good. Yeah, he's got uh, good charisma, and uh, as we see in this film, quite a broad acting range. The the other thing I was going to ask was. Have you seen any of the other films that basically do the same concept, no. which is taking place all on a screen? No. There is a, I guess, somewhat famous. I did not watch this TV show, so I, I, I do want to bring it up because it was a big deal when I worked at Apple. There's an episode of Modern Family that takes place only like within FaceTime? a FaceTime oh. call. Okay. I didn't watch it. Didn't have cable already. Yeah. yeah. Didn't watch it. Didn't. Uh, I've not seen yeah. that show, so I can't really speak Clips to it. Clips are funny. This is not the first feature-length film released into theaters that uh, did this concept. Oh. There was another one called Unfriended that came out in 2014. Okay. That's more supernatural horror. As far as I understand from reading up on it, I hope I'm not conflating this with another one, is that it takes place on a Skype call okay. the entire time. Okay. So, um, And then weird things happen behind them and et cetera, et cetera. She carries the computer around the, the house okay. sort of thing. So it's just a horror film, but taking place all within a, laptop. Um, a Skype window. Okay. This is going for a little bit more than that, I would say. Yeah. It's really jumping around and trying its best. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss and say which parts I think work and which ones don't but for the most part it stays within the concept of like we are here on a computer screen yeah. uh so you have not seen anything else this is your first uh, entry point 
No, yeah, yeah. this is. Uh, okay. I mean, I was gonna comment about how it's uh, how it's an interesting attempt at a new concept, mm-hmm. but apparently it's been done before. Yeah. So I will notch down my score for that. Maybe. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, like it's not the first one to do it. I think it's the first one to try a lot more with yeah. it. Felt brave in that sense. They did their best. Yeah, I mean, this is. I will say we we talked about the Blair Witch Project where way back in our 1999 season being really that beginning of found footage horror i honestly find this as an offshoot of found footage where it's really just using low res stuff Mm. (laughs) to try and tell a story without being like super cinematic like or doing sweeping angles and doing super close-ups you really have to stay within the format um which i do think this one again does actually a fairly good job where i criticize sorry to bother you about how I was taken out of it when they showed online stuff. Mm. It's like, oh, that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't feel right. right. And this I never did. There's always that, yes. like, yes, that is a web camera. Yes, that's an iPhone shot. Yes, that yep. feels like an actual thing online that I'm seeing yep. rather than ever being taken out of that suspension of disbelief. Agree. There was, I will just say, I have seen the unofficial sequel to this movie. I'm putting major quotes around that sequel idea. It's made by the same filmmakers. It's using the same concept, staying on a computer screen. It does not have any of the same characters okay. in it. So it's just, just, just try to do it again. Okay. I guess uh, technically in the same world. Okay. I don't know. This is what they have. Sounds they like it. it wasn't good. From my point of view, it came out earlier this year called Missing. It is the basically complete inverse of this movie, where it is a girl who's parent goes missing and then she tries to discover what is going on and and finding Eh. i think it actually works better than this movie i think it does it improves certain things and uh when when we get to it i think there is a big cheat that happens in this movie that always bugs me a little Mm -hmm. bit that does not happen in that one where i think it always feels like yes this this feels like something that would actually happen or could actually have been captured at that time yeah um well let's get into it here then dave we'll hear the second trailer and then when we come back we'll be talking a little bit more about searching we'll handle the ground investigation but as a parent you can help us with who your daughter talks to is that something you can do yes do you mind answering some questions for me to help did see her eat lunch alone. On Thursday? Every day. You don't think she's involved with anything serious? I know my daughter. We're not really that close. She has friends, right? Kind of. Why did you invite her to study group? I'm trying to get into Berkeley next year. When was the last time you saw her? She did not run away. Local team has been missing since last Thursday. She made a transaction of $2,500. I know my daughter. Where were you the night my daughter went missing? I know my daughter. Look into her behavior also. She gets a fake ID. I know my daughter. This is your keychain. She's my best friend. You broke his jaw. I know my daughter. I'm trying to help you find my daughter. I didn't know her. I didn't know my daughter. We have to come up with a scenario here. So Dave, let's say this. Let's say that um, you're... (laughs) Let's say you're at an internet cafe, and <laughs> that was a big thing for young listeners. Yeah. That that we used to call them PC banks in the Korean mm-hmm. era, and uh, or the video game cafes where you play Counter Strike. Yep. That was a big thing. Counter Strike, mm-hmm. and you're you're just you know checking your emails, doing your Hot random things. When I saw it, and a person mail. comes up to you and says, "Can I look at your search history?" And after you tell them, "Absolutely <laughs> not," they say, "Well, I have this uh, DVD copy of Searching." Do you know what this is about? 
What would how would you answer that question? Yeah, I, I, uh, first I would say imagine all the things a parent is paranoid about made into a film. That's mm-hmm. the loose aspect. Uh, I would say a father discovers her daughter, uh, his daughter, and the father discovers his daughter is missing and uses the internet to try to find her. Uh, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. That's a little loose and ambiguous, but... Uh, I think that's pretty much on, on nose. Yep, yep. So I guess the, the follow-up question here then, Dave, is did you... What did yeah, you think yeah. about it? Uh, what did I think? I don't know. I, I, uh, I feel 50-50 on it. I think like the <laughs> start as it ramps up is pretty interesting. I mean, I liked how they build the concept. I was at first a little put off with the windows and old school square window boxes. And I realized they're going to travel through time. So then I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I get to see the Mm -hmm. evolution. And then there's an inside joke. Like my parents still use Windows PCs with Windows XP because they are in Mm -hmm. it. I'll just tell you a quick irony is that my dad being an architect had Macs in our house as his first computers, but because yeah. the architecture industry moved to AutoCAD instead of mini, like a PC, yeah. uh, he switched over to PCs and he w- refuses to come back. Anyways, um, <laughs> the, my biggest gripe from a plot perspective is they build in this cancer, uh, spoiler alert, uh, death of the mother and this like inability to face grief as a sort of, uh, what do you call it? Like the fire underneath the film. Plot, yeah. And then they, they don't, they don't really address it, which I think is really frustrating by the end. Uh, and then I don't know if I agree with that, but okay. And then they move into um, into the thing, and you know, for the most part, I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." They have all these like misleads and misdirections, and I'm like, "Oh wow, mm-hmm. like what could happen next?" You know, why is uh, Grace acting so weird on her Zoom call? And then um, by the end, I don't know. I just felt like the stock photography thing and his final lead and turning out to be the kid. I don't know. I just felt cheap and weird by the end i was kind of like why did i watch this movie Uh, it's great to that he found her spoiler alert again and then the very the epilogue is fucking stupid (laughs) like i don't know i i like by that point i pulled the plug i was like yeah she had a chat she got into a piano school fuck who gives a shit like that is not well actually you don't know if she gets into piano school (laughs) so so i like the conceit I like, uh, for the most part, how they build it. As a parent, there are certainly a lot of little, you know, thoughts and what-ifs that I go through and Helen goes through and every parent goes through that are encapsulated in this film, which makes it a very difficult watch, I think, if particularly if you're mm-hmm. a, a parent with attachment issues. And this is probably why they invented AirTags, I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Um, actually, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know what the timing is like, but the fact that she had a Pokeball. Well, it was before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She had a Pokeball in her keychain, and then this film is talking about, mm-hmm. you know, maybe someone's like, what if that Pokeball was a tracking device? And then <laughs> yeah, you right. know, it would have avoided all of this problem. So, so yeah, it was kind of like... Good and bad. Well, so bad. I'm not. I will say too. I'm. I'm. I'm somewhat tepid on on this movie. Although for whatever it sounds like, I'm way much of a bigger fan than than, than you are. I think the first it's you're soft, Kyle. It's because you're soft. I am. I cry two times in this movie. Oh, and I did it the second time. I watched it here as what? well. Which is the first 15 minutes, like, really gets me. I think it's very emotionally yeah, it's, and well put together well put and together. montaged together. It's up there for me with, like, the up introduction of, like, oh, wow. oh my God, like, this is intense. Okay. And uh, you can call me a softie. I love the moment when he actually does 
find find her yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, that that turn is like oh my gosh is he actually gonna get there that, that works for me that, that that whole sequence works for me as well i did not shed a tear yeah i did i cried twice pretty hard i watched this like early in the morning i was like bawling my eyes wow. out while watching this movie. okay okay no i'm oh, that's good so so i reacted to it pretty strongly you'll be the first person to go once i begin the apocalypse that being said i do think the setup is far stronger than the resolution yeah. <laughs> like far far stronger i think it does meander i mean a lot of mysteries do this too where it's like there's red herrings and there's too things that take you off the case yeah. and yeah maybe there's like maybe one more misdirection i think for the turn to like really hit home for me i have no problem with it being the detective's kid who ultimately is the one who pushes her down the cliff mm -hmm. i think that's an interesting reveal but because we never really get to know who that kid is yeah. it feels like so extraneous yeah. to to the plot it almost would have made more sense if it was her like the the, the police officer or detective herself who was the one who actually pushed her down mm. the cliff or something well, I, I don't know what the what the fix is necessarily but uh, well you know when they do the whole trawling for friends and you know all of the uh, performative shit with the I, see, kids. I love that stuff no, no, of him, I'm just him saying going, like you, you need to tuck it in there somehow yeah somewhere, somewhere. Like, that, like maybe her name yeah. passes by on the list of kids friends and he just doesn't notice it or you know whatever it is mm -hmm. like maybe when he's flipping through the kids notebooks he's in the class or like yeah. he sees the photos and it's like oh my gosh this all ties you together there to has something. to be something there that ties them together because really this comes into this guy liked her from afar pushes her down a cliff well, catfished her i guess because yeah. it's all told to us it's never actually yeah. like pieced together for yeah. us because in this one if we're going to remain in the conceit of it being all on a computer screen i think that there are some really effective ways they communicate information sure. in this movie of him doing like actual google searches searching through emails i love how they use text messaging specifically mm -hmm. in this movie to show things he writes out and then deletes mm -hmm. and then writes out it's the second it's message. well thought out as a, so as all a, that stuff yeah, works for me yeah. maybe this is a controversial opinion because i have liked her in other performances i think deborah messing is kind of bad in, in this movie, movie. yeah yeah <laughs> especially when you it. need that reveal of her like laying it out and doing an exposition dump i'm like i don't buy any of this like i don't no. i just don't buy any of this sit down and like spill your guts sort of yeah. thing if you're if you're a character who's keeping things like so super secret i feel like you would keep that secret yeah the, <laughs> um, until someone is throwing it in your face yeah i think there's um uh, you know we haven't talked about it in a while but tv film actors like there's a mm -hmm. there's a split and uh, i mean I'm, i was never a big will and grace fan to begin with but i, I wouldn't say sure. she was bad in the show I, and i certainly wouldn't say she's a bad actress but there is something as soon as she appeared in it where i like half the i, I guess maybe she was too in her head about knowing how this thing was going to end up like she's crying and half the times that she's on her zoom calls and you just it like makes it feel awkward and then in the end you're supposed to be like oh this is why she was so stressed out but it felt too convenient and too controlled and contrived and there's just something yeah. about it that you know before the big reveal i was really not enjoying watching her in it like even when she's yeah. doing the news conference at the side of the woods i was like the suit looks weird she looks weird like there's yeah. just something really off kilter about her character maybe she's too tv pretty to be a beaten de de detect i don't know like there's something weird. honestly i think th i think that is true yeah. i think that's the biggest disconnect is like no you're i, I don't buy you as like a, the police a officer police in the officer, first yeah. place i mean dirtier up a bit you know 
Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's superficial, but I agree with you. There was something I wasn't vibing uh, about that. That being said, so to go back to some of the pauses that I like, I like the investigation and like how it evolves and how it evolves. What I like about this and like this, the unofficial sequel is that things are not given to them super easily. Mm. Like some things go down to dead ends, but they're actually are. It feels like they're searching for it and like they don't know passwords right away. <laughs> or they have to reset them and like try and get into it and like yeah this is this is re- really does feel natural like how you would get into this situation if your wife disappears tomorrow and you needed to get into <laughs> something that was password protected and you didn't know what their password was like how would you get into there i am not a parent obviously uh but i think the other thing that really resonated with me a lot as the investigation goes on is john cho's performance of him becoming more frantic and specifically the moment where he's like but she had friends, right? Like he gets really into that. It's like, it doesn't feel like she actually had any real friends, um, which uh, is probably true because she's grieving the death of her mother. And I think that's how so beautifully, in my opinion, it wraps up was like, he keeps not wanting to talk about them because he doesn't think his daughter wants to talk about it. But really in reality, they both needed to talk about it more so that their relationship could become more so, fulfilling for, for both of them. And this way, I think the they're setup trying to avoid good. this conversation. Yeah. Like whoever wrote it, I don't know if the director wrote it. Yeah. They're very keen on all of it. Like it's set up and structured really well. There's great intelligence underneath it. They're trying maybe too many concepts, like everything from, yes, like grief, uh, single parenting, parent paranoia, all of it, like the investigation piece, the social media searching, all of it. Yeah. All of it is really, like you can tell an intelligent person has spent a lot of time trying to f- make these pieces fit together. But the way this movie's set up is really questioning how, it's really questioning how a parent is supposed to interact with their kid, particularly in a time of tragedy. And I agree with you, like as we're peeling back the layers of the onion, as they say, and learning that the daughter was looking for more relationship and direction into dealing with the fact that she lost her mother. It's actually kind of like left there. We don't get a lot of insight into her true sort of, I mean, you couldn't, because she's literally Mm -hmm. missing. And then the father has to kind of understand that he's been really absent, but then you know, it goes right back to sort of the superhero moment. He figures out the last clue, they rescue her from the cavern, and the only kind of uh, tying up moment is the chat where it says, your mom would be proud of you too. Uh, It's like, we didn't really talk about how he actually changed. It just happened. And we don't understand where she is as a person after. How many years is that? You know, yeah. when she's graduating, how did she get over? Like, so that's unfair. This thing could, it's not supposed to be war and peace and like a six hour fucking no. epic, but that's why I at do the think end, you're I supposed like, to call back yeah. because at the very beginning, he writes, your mother would be proud of you and deletes it. And then at the end, he actually sends it. Like, that's the, it's the, <laughs> what no, I, to do. that's what I mean. Like, it's not that it's dumb. Uh, I just feel like, you know, if you're going to make the core of the film actually about not, uh, you know, you have to choose. And then they chose that the core of the film is actually about the mystery and the criminal, like true crime aspect of it, which I don't like yeah. in popular culture. And I think sure. I was waiting for this to be more of a family moment to understand how you could even comp- like if, you know, when this movie started, what's most compelling as a parent is 
you know, I often have to think about what would happen if I passed away or Helen passed away. And then Helen, I always worry what would happen if Emerson disappeared. And so like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's incomprehensible. You never want to ever deal no. with that. Yeah, no, like, but <laughs> you, you know, it, it, it gets in the mind of every parent. And so oh, as yeah. this thing builds up, you're like, holy shit, like this thing's happened now. How do you deal with it? Yeah. Except and, and then, then they can, don't really you, talk about it. He's just no, going I, about okay. his job no, and she's on fucking, you know, it's not Snapchat, but like an Omegle type of thing, well, just, just yeah. talking to strangers. And then, right. um, and then what? She disappears. He learns that he's been absentee. They discover her body. She's alive. He sends a fun chat. The end. Like that part, <laughs> I think, was too light. So it's not that the movie's bad. Sure. Well, I, just... I, th I think I think maybe too what you're keen on is that it goes to, I think, a really dark yes. place right before that reveal. The movie, the, it's a red herring, but it's setting up as if like, oh, it was the, Serial the killer uncle molesting her. Oh, is yeah, basically yeah. what it's going scene, on, yeah. right? Because the first time I watched, I'm like, is this the direction yeah. it's going? Because I was like, I don't know if I signed up for that. <laughs> I don't like That's getting to be a little bit of a super dark place than I thought this movie was going to yeah. go into. Ultimately, it's a miscommunication, but you can see like that, like the father's ready to throw hands. Like he's ready already to does like- it before <laughs> then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which every right, every dad imagines at some point that you're going to have oh, to sure. beat up somebody for your kid or your wife, depending mm -hmm. on what stage of your relationship you're in. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even that part, you know what I, I think would have been more authentic is if he shows up at this movie theater to pick on some douchebag who's talking shit on the internet mm -hmm. and gets his ass beat because that's really yeah, what would actually yeah. happen if you try to confront Probably. if you're in your 40s or 50s and you go confront a 19-year-old uh, thugging out there yeah. in a movie theater with two buddies... Uh, you know, you're not getting away with the scraping your chin and breaking some kid's jaw. It's not, it's a little ego, mm -hmm. egoism. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's uh, It's a very interesting concept. I did want to watch this. It was, uh, as we've been yeah. complaining, it was on Netflix for years and it's been on my watch for list. <laughs> but like many films, Helen obviously will never watch this movie. It would destroy her mind. She's no, already yeah, yeah. worried about this on the day-to-day, -day, so uh, I never got to watch it. I'm still scarred by the child catcher and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So here is the, the fatal flaw for me. One of my favorite things about mysteries or like thrillers like this is the eventual aha moment sure. where like the detectives finally figure it out. Time, yeah. Right. And if it's really good, in my opinion, like the audience kind of gets there just moments before where it's like, oh my God, He's about <laughs> that's to what's find going out, on. Right. And, then the, and, and then the detective figures it out like right afterwards. I don't Usual know, maybe suspects. this is just me. <laughs> I know. Uh, seven. Maybe, keep going. Real seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is building myself up. Just going back to the very first time I watched this, like they do mention, like there's no way that she could have survived here without water. And then I'm like, well, didn't it rain like two days ago no, in the fiction nerd. of this movie? Yeah. Like my mind flips to there and then they discover, then that's his aha moment. Like, wait a second. He, she could have actually, because there was, it did rain here a couple of days ago. He's got, you can just imagine Kyle with his little fucking notebook. He'd be like, ah, date, September 23rd of rain, September 25th. Hey, we were talking about only murders in the building. So I'm, I'm caught up with the most recent episode and literally two episodes ago, I was like, what if there's someone living up in the top of the uh, theater? <laughs> Such a nerd. <laughs> that would make sense about why all these weird things are happening and what this gets oh revealed. Someone's living in the spoiler top of the theater. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. It, it wasn't who I thought it was, but gonna be yeah. but that's beside the point Got a little weird regardless i still think that that aha moment is robbed from the audience because mm. i think what really needs to happen 
is instead of seeing like the interrogation footage yeah. that you Awful. are actually seeing at the moment where the yep. aha moment happens and then the car turns yeah. around, I don't know how you term it, like whether it's body cameras on the police or whatever it has to be. I think that's where you have to be like, turn the car around. Like we, like there was, it rained two, two, uh, two days ago. Yeah. We have to go back. I know where she yeah. is. I feel like you need to see him putting that, that piece together yeah. <laughs> rather than it just being said in a, in a monologue. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it, yeah. it uh, ruined the impact of it. And then the I guess the point of that is for us to feel the stress about whether she's alive or not. But yeah, I mm -hmm. agree with you. I think both the security camera footage for his brother, which had its great dramatic value, but I was like, I don't sure. know if this is part of the actual original premise of the film. Yeah, the, the, that's the part where it slowly starts to be like, okay, I think you're breaking the yeah. premise ever just so slightly. Just add this <laughs> good scene. I mean, it should have just, yeah. you know, use your cell phone and have it. They did, the girl does that with the... Uh, yeah, exactly. Streaming. Set up your you cell phone totally in the corner that. and then figure it out from there. Uh, yeah, how yeah. are you going to explain to your brother? There's like three fucking cameras in his room. <laughs> I know. Somehow they're hidden. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and when he's setting up, they're pretty big. Like, it's not like these spy cams where it's like a little LED thing. Like, he's <laughs> right. holding a, a box and the brother's like standing right in front of him getting his sugar or whatever. Uh, anyways, that's just being a, an asshole. But I also didn't like the interrogation scene and getting into the CCTV. I just felt like it also was a break. I, I agree. I don't like that. Yeah. yeah and it, it, It's not well done. And then, yeah, sorry, Deborah missed it, but the, uh, the confession just fall, fell flat for me. I did not. Really flat. And like, really was like, well, I did this and then I did this and then this happened and then I told this I'm like you're just you're revealing way baby. too much you're yeah it feels like way too much that you're revealing again and not that I want this to be war and peace length but I feel like you have to like pull that out or like trick her well, or something or confront her with evidence that she doesn't know you have or whatever it happens to be to your point I mean it would maybe they couldn't figure out how to do this but if you do the body cam and they you know I don't yeah again that maybe this is the problem how do you reveal that they've kept, I, I do like the streaming thing. I thought that was a little neat about the wake yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and, that's great. And then yeah. you see them confront, there's no audio. I thought that was fucking great. And they pull her out. I hated that they cut to the news thing. I thought, see, it's too many comments. Like now they comment about the daily news cycle. They do the thing about the fake friends. Right. It's just, it, it got a little diffuse. And then uh, if you have that moment where she's getting in, yeah, if it's a body cam, they've already broken the idea of a laptop. So if it's a body cam or maybe some guy in the, uh, you know, audience is like streaming a quick snippet right. of the conversation and he's like, she could still be alive. And they go, and then instead of knowing that she's uh, alive, like they pull her out of the ravine and then you could just do a piece of the conversation where she does a confession where she's like, it was, you know, like my son and like, this is what a mother does to protect her son. You could do something with the sequencing and we don't have to spend so much time in the interrogation room, but you know, maybe they wanted Deborah Messing to have her uh, potential nomination moment. I, I don't yeah. know how you structure films. Like, I don't know who makes the decisions on, on this stuff. But. Yeah, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know about her casting process yeah. into this either, but I, I'm, I'm sure they were written into a corner a bit. I'll, I'll reveal how this idea even came about yeah. <laughs> here in a moment. I guess the last thing I was going to ask you on this watch, because this is your first watch, did you think she was actually dead? Yes. Like when they have the wake, like uh, you were like convinced. Oh uh, well, up to what point? Like until when they at any point did you think she was actually sure, dead? Yeah. When, uh, so as yeah. soon as they pulled the car, I just out, want to say like the first time I watched this, same thing. I thought like, oh god, they really killed off yeah, this kid. Yeah. This is awful. 
Yeah, so the first time they pulled the car out, I'm like, okay, she's going to end up dead. Then they do the serial killer, oh no, the the fake, uh, the, well, the guy that committed suicide or whatever, mm-hmm. the creepy guy, and I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, there's no way that's real because this feels fake, but I mean, no, also exactly. like they're not coming back from that. And then when they mm-hmm. do the brother thing, I'm like, like you, yeah, I was like, holy shit, did the brother like, he's either hiding her in his condo or he fucking right. murdered her. And then uh, when they do the whole final bit, I was like, until they do the two day yeah, water thing because I'm not you know writing in my little detective's notebook like you uh, they're just like <laughs> she fell in the tree it's been five days I'm like oh that fucking sucks that's the most depressing well, movie <laughs> I've ever watched uh, and then they do the rain thing which I was that also is like oh what a little bit of a cop out you know like I do appreciate they do the washout so we can not continue this investigation and then they do the little mm-hmm. kind of like usual suspects where they review that she marked off the section the kid was yeah. going to be in on the board fine and um, then it's like, oh, she's only been without water two days. I'm like, oh, maybe she's alive. And then by that point, I didn't, honestly, not to be an asshole, but I, I didn't really care. But when they're pulling out of the review and you're like, obviously, she's going to be alive. They wouldn't show. Yeah. They would not show a dead no. body pulled out. Yeah. <laughs> they would have just yeah, fade yeah. to black or something. So, you know, mm-hmm. it was like this up and down, which is why it's not a, it's not a bad movie. And it's trying to ask no, really it's interesting well questions. Put together, and, but... Yeah. It's got a great, not just, uh, yeah, it's got a great conceit. You know, so yeah, I think I, I, I guess the, the big thing I push back against by some critics that I've seen is that there are some out there who are more negative on this. This was pretty well reviewed. I just put out there, but there were the people who are negative on it who just kept saying like, this is a gimmick that they're doing. Mm. And I have to say, I never felt that it was like, obviously they're trying something new here. It always felt like it was moving fast, like cutting to different things. Yes. Like it kept my interest going. Like it was never like, I'm just watching a computer screen for whatever this is an hour and 45 minutes. It felt like naturally <laughs> progressing through the plot. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, to your earlier point at the beginning of the episode, I don't know what I would have thought in 2018. Cause I don't know if I was on the computer as much as I am now. Like the idea of like, um, computer typing your messages, Okay, that's not the... I don't sure. think that's the world I was in in 2018. I could be wrong. So I can kind of see, especially kind of older, fartier people just thinking nobody's on their computers this much and, you know, all that kind of right. stuff. <laughs> but now, to your point, post-COVID, it's like, this is how we live. I mean, yeah. you and I can meet. You've been over to my house as a human being. <laughs> but for the most part, you know, we live through these little computer windows and I spent all my time uh, on my keyboard. And in fact, sometimes I'm very self-conscious. I'm like, I just wrote <laughs> a 300 word response to a two word text because I'm sitting at my computer uh, going at with my full thought. But I saw that in this film. I'm like, yeah, this is, that's normal. But that might not have right. been in 2018. So yeah, it's hard to contextualize. You know, the last uh, five years have been very weird. <laughs> very, very weird. All right, well, let's do some backstory here then. So this movie opened up on January 21st, 2018 at the Sundance Film Festival, but then had a wide release worldwide on August 24th, 2018. Currently, it is rated 3.7 on Letterboxd, has a 7.6 on IMDb, and has a 71 on Metacritic. Over on Rotten Tomatoes, which, uh, did you read the news that broke out about Rotten Tomatoes, Dave? Nope this week well your your suspicions have been proven correct because it was revealed that most of the scores on rotten tomatoes are paid for by studios so (laughs) so so take this with a grain of salt that from 262 critics is at 92 percent and from 5,000 plus users it has an 88 percent it is available on dvd and blu-ray and is available for rent on both youtube and itunes 
Dave, the budget for this movie was $800,000. I was going to say, it has to be a million bucks because they did it all yeah. on uh, computers. Great. That's right. I love it. It looks uh, great for have... a million bucks or 800000 I know. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I would have thought that that was like John Cho's asking price, but uh, apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> apparently you can make a movie starring John Cho for $800,000. Did he produce it? No, he did not. Interesting. Uh, but it that's why I make... love John Cho. He's just out there to do the work. I just, I just love the acting. <laughs> um, it's box office worldwide would be $75.6 million. That's a hit. So quite a good investment (laughs) for 800 grand. How is this not a franchise? Well, Kaya technically is Mm -hmm. becoming one, sort of. Its plot description from IMDb is, after his teenage daughter goes missing, a desperate father tries to find clues on her laptop. Oh, not bad. All right, time for everyone's favorite game. Guess Guess that that tag. This is the part of the episode where I get to don a handsome blazer, use a long microphone that Bob Barker used to use, and we play the game, Guess That Tag. Dave, I mean, you go to the movie theaters. Uh, you're you're always a fan lately, of yeah. a good uh, good parlor can I, mystery. Can I just jump in quickly? So I, <laughs> sure. I did go. We watched uh, Blue Beetle and Teenage, Beetle, yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And as you're going up the escalators on Chinook, I did look at the posters, and I cannot mm-hmm. even read the taglines. <laughs> They're just not mm. visible. <laughs> I know you can't see anything. They're not big enough. You have to go right you up like, there. Get in there. Get your eyes right on, yeah. right on the posters. Right, anyways, keep going. I was gonna say you probably love a good old parlor mystery. Uh-huh. So you're probably gonna be lining up this week when a haunting in Venice is released. What's that? Is it about cholera? The third Hercule Poirot. Oh no! Movie I, well, you know me. I am not a fan of the Brana. Poirot. Never saw the first one. Saw the second Sounds one, terrible. which was not very no. good. The original Murder in the Orient Express is so fucking good. Why even yeah. go back to it? Other, well, you're <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, but he's not a good Poirot. And um, the second one's fucking terrible. Like the whole history of the mustache. Who gives a shit? Just solve the oh fucking mystery. Dave, I went off on the person I went and saw that with. I was like, who fucking cares about who the mustache? Who gives a shit about the like, mustache? No one has, no one has ever it's asked this question. absolutely not important at all Anyways. to any part of it. I don't think he even played in the mystery. I think they just threw it in there. It doesn't. It's just like a, a reveal for nothing. Like, and he spent dude, nothing. Like he just, I think he wants to pad his runtime to three hours because it makes it feel epic. Because it's like 20 or 30 minutes of that film. Anyways, I'll go to bat for any of his Shakespeare films. But, uh, sure. <laughs> stick, stay over there. Um, although, I apparently, I learned this week, I didn't know this. Apparently, Agatha Christie like hated Poirot. Well, <laughs> she only kept a, writing it because it was so popular. Uh, but uh, she did she not like writing that character. known to be a little curmudgeonly, I think? Yeah. yeah. But she, I think she liked Miss Marple more and all the other um, stuff that she oh, wrote. I'm so. going to read a book about a woman, Kyle? Come on. <laughs> wow. Okay, so Dave, uh, I'm going to give you three options. One of these is the real tagline to this movie, two of them completely fake. So, was the tagline for this movie, no one is lost without a trace, is it, can her search history save her? Or is it, only one result? Uh, wait, what, what was the first one? Something. No one is lost oh, without a trace. No one is lost without a trace. Let's go with one. I think it might be three, but... Let's go with one. No one's lost of the trace is the correct oh, nice, answer. Nice. Yes. Sweet. It won't have searching in the tagline because it's redundant, right? I am wa- rewatching the Alien franchise currently. Yes, I saw that on Letterboxd. And um, talk about like banger after banger First tagline, three. whether you like the movies or First not. First are great. Uh, no one can hear you scream in space. Amazing. Um 
Oh, shoot, I can't remember what the second one was, but it's good too. But the third one is The Bitch is Back. That is what the third Fincher's tagline like, is. I'm not fucking around. That's You're going to put this on my poster. Fincher hates that movie. Yeah. But, uh, well, he, there's but a whole the history. made him do yeah, stuff he didn't want to do. There's a whole history so. with the production of that. The fourth one, I haven't seen it. Dog shit. Well, Dog I remember shit. thinking the first half up to like the mother bulbous shit sure, yeah. was actually kind of fun. I didn't mind it. But definitely by the end. I heard uh, who directed that? No, it is a Jean Geno something. It's a French director. Yeah, but he said he the, wanted it to be like another hour and they had a totally different conclusion. That one also the studio yeah. was like, no. You, you you read the production history on especially the third and fourth of those movies. And it's like, how did anything get decided? Because yeah. it's like going into production without a script being finished, yeah. uh, like multiple writers on there. The fourth one has issues because... You have a French director who speaks minimal English uh, trying to direct an English language movie and it just doesn't work. Very famously, Joss Whedon wrote the script to that fourth movie. And there is jokes in that movie that are supposed to be jokes, but are not read as jokes because they didn't know it was a joke that they're supposed to be. Interesting. Anyways, it's it's really bizarre. What's the fifth one? Prometheus? Yeah, then there's Prometheus, um, Alien Covenant. Covenant. Uh, I don't think I've watched that one. Are you going to watch AVP? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do that, yes. and I'm going to watch the Predator movies, too. Predator. I've only ever seen the first Predator. I've not actually seen any second of the other Predator movies. Uh, second one is not great, but it is has its own place because of Danny Glover. That's, right. so, That's what everyone yeah. says. It's like, it's like, if you compare it to the first one, it's not garbage. good. But if you look at it its, yeah. its own way, it's, it's kind like, of instead okay. Instead of a jungle, we're in a city. So. This is what I felt about the third Alien film. I, just, I always tell everyone, if you're looking at it as literally just a direct sequel to Aliens, it's kind of awful. Yes. But if you just think as of it as a science project. fiction movie, yeah. it's kind of interesting what it's trying there's a, to do. There's a core in there, right? And it's yeah. shot like the cinematography yeah. is dope, but... It's great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyways, so Dave, this stars (laughs) uh, John Cho as David Kim, Deborah Messing as Detective Vic, and Michelle Law as Margot. Cinematography is by Juan Sebastian Barron, Nicholas D. Johnson, and Will Merrick. Wow. I will just put put a caveat on that. The last two names there, Nicholas D. Johnson and Will Merrick, were also the editors of this movie and are basically the ones responsible for all, like, I don't know, the... um, operating system oh, animations okay, okay. and stuff like that so that's why they're credited okay. as cinematographers okay. too the person who actually was there running like the iphone and yeah. the aerial shots and everything was the first guy okay. his other films are things i have never heard of so <laughs> there is instagram no shorts. running uh-huh. from 2021 okay. the house on pine street from 2015 and killer whales from 2022 sure. good anything anywhere house no on idea pine street there's too many names that are similar it's probably not this is written by Anish Chaganti and Sev Ohanian, directed by Anish Chaganti. Anish, by the way, is an American filmmaker, grew up in California. He first came to prominence when, in 2014, he made a two-minute short film shot entirely with Google Glass. Oh, like the, the VR the AR glasses. thing? Oh, yeah. weird. Yeah. Okay. Uploaded to YouTube, gets pretty, uh, gets, gets yeah, goes viral. Yeah. This caught the eye of Google, who then hires him, and he would then create commercials for Google for the yeah. next two years. Okay. Now, I have no idea how Sev Ohanian and him meet, because Ohanian did serve as producer for his Google Glass short, mm-hmm. but he'd already been producing other independent material up to this point, the most prominent being Fruitvale Station. Oh. So, oh. I don't know. I, I, Maybe they're just Usually buddies. what this means... Yeah. Yeah, usually is that they went to school with each other, 
or the other person's father and their father knew each yeah. other. Like there's something there probably some, that's some going personal on. Personal relationship. Okay. Regardless, the two of them have this idea for a short film that takes place entirely on a computer screen and other smart devices. They then go and pitch this idea to oh God, this is like the worst week for me pronouncing things. Bazelov's company, which is an American studio run by the Russian filmmaker Timur Bekmembatov. Oh, um, why do I know that? Have name? you ever seen the movie Night Watch? I don't know. No, I guess not. But I know this name. Why do I know this? So name? he directed. Yeah. Timur here directed this trilogy of films, these vampire films in Russia. It is in Russian. These are Russian films. I have seen the first two of those movies in theaters. In fact, they are bonkers. They are the most bonkers films in Russia. They outgross like every major like Hollywood blockbuster at the time. These are in the early 2000s. Like they were so popular. Anyways, they're wild movies. Uh, The thing I just remember from them is that whoever did the subtitling for the movies totally uh, talked about this really. Yeah. Yeah. Really incorporated in them because there's like this. I still just remember to this day where like this vampire like rips the throat out of a guy and then the blood splatters on the actual subtitles. Like part of the subtitles get bloody and then they drip away and then the subtitles keep going like that's cool. That's weird. Talked about this before you've totally said this on this podcast okay keep going anyways watch those movies they're wild the reason they went there to this russian co-production studio is because that studio had been the one that had made screen life films before this is the term they like to use is screen life so unfriended came out in 2014 was produced by them so this bezelov's company suggests that they should expand their idea to be a feature length film Ohanian is enthusiastic about the idea, but Shikanti at first doesn't want to do it. He thinks that the idea that they have would feel a bit too gimmicky to last an entire film. But him and Ohanian go back to their script, essentially come up with what is the first 10 minutes of this movie. And he feels, okay, I'm confident now that I can make this become a my feature film debut and something that would actually support a feature film. Now, the budget is so low because they didn't have to use expensive cameras and they basically used GoPros, iPhones, drones, and basic web cameras. All the indoor shots happened in one house, just shot from different angles and in different rooms. The shoot itself lasts 13 days. So not even two weeks of time did John Cho have to be on set for this. Although he did turn it down at the very first because he uh, didn't think the idea would work, but he's eventually persuaded to do it. The makeup team drew lines on his face to make him appear older than he actually is because he needs to convincingly portray someone who would have a teenage daughter. He's probably 60 now and he looks good. (laughs) Right. Even though the shoot only lasted a couple of weeks, the editing then took one and a half years to finish. They of course needed to make the opening, sorry, the operating systems look correct and have the animations look real and essentially take the footage they had recorded to make it convincingly look like where it had been captured from. rookies. Yeah. Do you, do you think they had to license the operating system Probably. layouts? Probably. If they're releasing this into theaters, I bet you anything they yeah, do. Yeah, like the Windows one's an old one. I don't know if Microsoft gives a shit, but Apple would not. They, w- they would want money for uh, Mac OS to appear mm-hmm. on there. It's just interesting, like you, to your point with, sorry to bother you, they actually used real computer environments, which I thought was really yes. crazy. I, uh, which is good. Yeah, it yeah. makes it feel more real. I was real. just surprised they're allowed to do that. Usually you get, I love fake N- computers nothing, on movies. Honestly, the biggest <laughs> thing that bugs me, like, yes, the like I had said my lately little nitpick YouTube interfaces yeah. and those types of things being slightly off. The biggest thing that annoys me is fake text messaging apps because they always look like the worst design <laughs> things in the world. Like, no one would use this. Like, no one would use uh, 
so a chat good. function like this. So but good. so it comes out incredibly successful. As I said, a sequel comes out this year called Missing. Um, that one wasn't as successful though. It only made forty-eight million dollars on a seven million dollar budget. Wow, but uh, still a good pull still, for like a yeah. niche style of film. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. They, like you can keep these budgets fairly low. Like honestly, I think seven is maybe going a little overboard. You could have probably cut that five. Did or you under. see it when you saw it? Did you feel that there was seven million dollars in it? Yeah. Well. It still see, looks like this one. I think the reason why that's more potentially is that there's way more characters uh, that they actually put into okay. it. So I think they probably just had to pay actor salaries. Yeah, yeah. And it's international. So you start going into like outdoor shots. Yeah. And more locations. Very involved like CCTV camera setups and stuff okay. like that. So that's probably what made it balloon up a little bit. I'd like to balloon up your head and watch it explode. I'm not unhappy I watched it. I Learning about how it was developed, I can understand then why it try to throw as much on the wall as possible and for its part it does a really good job of juggling so many different conceptual themes about living through your computer but i just i, I overall i just felt like it didn't really land uh, stick the landing for me so also i don't know why i uh, uh, you know i cry in movies this one really did not connect with me even at the beginning, I was surprised I was watching the family kind of break apart. There are so many scenes in that should make me emotional. I mean, Emerson has done all of these things. Yeah, you I know, know. I've, I've received cards and been jumped on my back. And the idea of <laughs> right. one of us getting sick and having to watch them, you know, that's a primal fear of any couple or mm -hmm. parent. I don't know what it was. I just, uh, I couldn't buy into it. Maybe it's the Windows interface. That's so weird. Windows Media Player. You know, That's, who uses that shit? Uh, it's a low resolution. <laughs> no, I honestly yeah, don't like know if why. it's in 360p, I don't know. Can't, <laughs> can't do it. I also like the fact that they did the text messages turning from blue to green. Yes. So as, as, yeah. Again, as when an Apple user, I'm like, oh God, oh my God, something's They have something, to pay for that, right? Happened. It's too accurate. I know. It's, it was great. By the way, I wrote down in my notes here, it's like, he's a man after my own heart making a spreadsheet. Because <laughs> this would so totally be my MO. I'm like, okay, put these names in. Cross-reference. I need to know all this information. <laughs> Stick that to iCloud. No, I need to know everything that's going on. I also said, like, I, I don't know if this was just how the cameras recorded it, if this was something the editors put into there. I thought a really nice touch is, like, anytime they were doing, like, an actual call with each other video call oh, the glitching. occasionally there would be drop frames yeah. and i was like yeah that's exactly what it's like yeah. <laughs> to have conversations yeah, online so even now with uh, everybody on so-called fiber the other thing i liked i thought you would have loved this part specifically because you talk about all the goddamn time <laughs> which is so it's the anniversary of his wife's death yeah. it's like an old video he's going yeah, yeah, through yeah. and she's like i want to like honor my mother somehow and then he walks into the room and he's like finals of the voice or on, oh, yeah. if you want to go and watch that. Again, avoiding the conversation, but trying to like spend time with his daughter. Um, I thought you were like the voice shout out. So, you know, you're the number one fan of the voice. I'm the number one fan of the voice. <laughs> you talk about it enough no, times. I'll tell you what I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of uh, reality competition TV. It could be about mm -hmm. cooking. We've been, you know, watching American Ninja Warrior when we eat dinner. I don't know. I just want to see people eliminated. That's that's my joy. Right, Kyle? I like eliminations. <laughs> The best, actually, the best, uh, <laughs> so the best competition show that we watched was the one on Netflix, the Chocolatier one with that super high end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody's eliminated. It's like a school. That one's fantastic. School of Chocolate, I think it's called. So I don't know. And just I want to see people learning stuff. I guess I know. I don't Whatever. like people being mean to each other. So that's not uh, that's not my bag. So. Softy. This is why I like the version of uh, what is that? Whatever the Gordon Ramsay one is, but the one with kids. Nice chef kids. <laughs> 
because he's like so much nicer to them because he's like you're not supposed to know he's how gotten, to do all this stuff yeah he's got he's a softer good teacher now. Of, yeah we've been watching yeah. master the only thing about master chef kids i don't like is that it's clearly fake you have like a six-year-old oh, doing sure. mise en place and like fucking chopping onions I'm like no i i have a six-year-old they don't have that dexterity yet it's bullshit oh i, I think this needs a little saffron I'm like you know what the fuck saffron is you're 10 years old like someone asks you to say that for the tv mm -hmm. i love these hints bergamot yeah. in this it's a like, kid no, like lifting don't. up a cast iron fucking pot i'm like no it's, it's all bullshit we're done here okay well the machine said that we do have to wrap things up here so we should probably get into critics choice this is the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time this film was released. So I'll read the positive review. This is from Mark Savlov from the Austin Chronicle, who wrote, Searching may strike older viewers as a novel experimental film, but more importantly, it's a genuine white-knuckling exploration of our relationship with disruptive technology and how that impacts one average American family's daily life. Uh... I actually don't think that's what this movie yeah, is about. But I'm that's surprised a, about that's, that's, this review. That's where, I think it missed the point entirely. This guy was just like, oh, I fucking hate iPads. Uh, I got Simran Hans from The Observer. Is that British? The Observer? The film yeah. doesn't understand what mode it wants to operate in. Serious thriller with emotional stakes or contrived cynical satire? Well, you know, uh, yeah. I don't know. Ish. Yeah. Ish. It's, it's uh, better than Mark Savlov's uh, disruptive technology comment. Uh, Dave, does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant? Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, uh, it's not, you know, it's not a perfect movie, but it does hold up no. as we talked about because we live in Zoom culture. So I could see that. Everybody has an air tag. So I don't know if this uh, works as well anymore. I mean, I think that's maybe the next... Um, one that they do i'm sure they'll do a third one yeah. in this idea i bet you a thousand percent it's like air tags that lead them somewhere it turns out to be wrong. discarded yeah. and then they have to try and figure out like what happened yeah, from yeah. there and the, you know i i found out my wife and my son are constantly location tracking <laughs> oh yeah yeah if you're friends you can like see what yeah, if you are but yeah my son, sometimes i come home and be like i tracked you i looked you up on my ipad i'm like why hey i don't go anywhere so that was a waste why of time. Why are you going down 8th Street? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to say this too. This obviously is very like up to date with like, the technology of the time mm -hmm. and like really uh, like using that as, as the front facing way of telling the story. There's articles that have come out here, I mean, over like even like the last decade, but I, I've, I've seen them even more pronounced here in the last few weeks where it's like, isn't it weird that our like most preeminent auteurs have not made a cell phone um, movie? contemporary film in like 15 years like i think uh like even just taking spielberg as the example i think the last one like contemporary film that he did was et <laughs> like they're seeing oh, things at the time like that film thing, but he's on far future yeah. he's on far future he's done but done in the past but he hasn't actually done like modern day well i guess war of the worlds was probably done um yeah. modern day at, at the time yeah, yeah at the time but like you look at uh, you look at David Fincher. You look at um, yeah, Wes Anderson. Right. You look at any of like the Tarantino. None of them have made a contemporary film for fifteen years. Well, <laughs> like these, they all have said like we do not know how to cinematically showcase smartphones. Now, yeah, like, it just ruins the way that we want to tell stories. Yeah. So it's interesting that this filmmaker found a way to tell a, I think, a gripping story using modern technology. I was gonna say I think you know it's one of the things about Scorsese. I've been I didn't like The Irishman and you know this obsession with the '60s, but I think. They sure. are so um, disillusioned with modern culture that they don't really want to participate with it anymore. So I think that's part of it. You know, if I'm making a film and I hate Zoom, I'm not going to make a movie about Zoom, right? Yeah, no. So, uh, and a lot of these guys hate to break it to people, but they're fucking old. 
Like, we need to... Like, who are the new auteurs? I guess we'll find out. Bong Juke, whatever his yeah. name, and maybe. You know, he does more I contemporary mean, the, stuff. I mean, there are the... the I mean, I would put in like Bong Joon-ho as kind of a, a modern filmmaker sure. auteur that people are, are going on with. I mean, if we're going Hollywood and stuff, you have like your Robert Eggers who did like The Witch and the Northman and that sort of mm. thing. Um, oh, Greta Gerwig's just made a one point five billion Gerwig, yeah, for sure. Movie, yeah. Uh, Christopher Nolan, I still would say, is like a younger <laughs> modern yeah. filmmaker, even though he's been around for 20-something years. He does years. also try to do a present, but he I don't think he likes paying licensing fees because he uses technology. He does not want an iPhone or a mm -hmm. Windows phone or anything to be on there. They're always their own technological uh, boop-be-boops. Yeah. So. That's offensive. Maybe that's the other thing with old hats. They don't want to pay licensing fees to these conglomerates. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe they ask. Enough. I mean, they're like, uh, that being said, I mean, Apple is paying Martin Scorsese, whatever, $150 million to make his new film. So oh, that's different because <laughs> they want ownership of the film's uh, revenue and they want people to subscribe to Apple TV, but they probably would not. I don't know, but I can't imagine Tim Cook's underlings going, well, Mr. Scorsese, you are not allowed to shoot in this location and we would appreciate it if you don't, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's no way that has to be an open, open hand. So we'll see if it's any yeah, good, yeah. but I will say I, I didn't double check this but there is i actually don't know how true this is anymore but there was like a something well, i read Soderberg years tried ago to do that, that with an iphone didn't he he made that basketball movie Anyways, yeah, yeah keep going keep going i was just gonna say that uh apple i don't know if it is actually a real thing but i'm gonna state it out and very confidently as if it is a fact <laughs> that you can always tell podcast. who the <laughs> You can tell who the villain is in a movie if they don't use an Apple device, if there's other Apple devices in the movie, because Apple doesn't want the villain what? to be using right. an Apple device. So I didn't double check that yeah. to be the case in this movie, if that was true, but, I, but it is true in a lot of movies. Like yeah. You can actually see like everyone's using iPhones, they're using the Android, he actually ultimately becomes the killer. Really? <laughs> and so it's kind of weird. Yeah, I guess now you've put it into my brain, so I guess I'll notice it. The only thing I notice is, of course, in any Apple TV production, everybody has to use Apple devices very prominently. Yeah, I I will say though, any of the Apple made stuff, whether it's TV show or movies, and I am I have to say this up front, bias, I worked for them for 13 years. They look phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Like they always they look like they really looked like they've spent the million dollars, well, like the $10 million that they actually did spend on the movie. Like this looks beautiful. It's a company that's founded on aesthetics. I mean, not to be such mm -hmm. a hater, but they know what sells and what sells is beauty and they're not going to fuck mm -hmm. around. They're going to, they're going to put money into cinematography. So what they're well, gonna Dave, Dave, what is it? Is this is a night shot where I can tell what, what's happening <laughs> in it? What, what's going on? I, <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself. You know, when Samsung gets into films, they're going to be only making night movies because they're so <laughs> proud that their night mode is better than the iPhones. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we do need to rate this film, but before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave vs the machine at gmail.com and you can also find us on twitter or instagram with the handle katie vstm dave remind me next week we actually had a lovely email sent to us that we should actually read out here oh, on the show and i've forgotten to do it asshole. here this week okay if you want to see the entire list of films that we've watched and the ratings we've given you can go to our letterboxd page that's letterboxd.com slash katie vstm dave uh, out of five what are you going to give searching uh i think i'm gonna go with a three i was gonna actually go a little bit lower actually but the more we're talking mm. about uh John Cho, I feel it would be a disservice to throw this, you know, into the bottom echelons of rating because he's actually quite good in it. So let's go with three. Mm -hmm. You know, that's fine. Sure. I am giving it a 3.5. A classic. Solid film the for me. Point solid, five softness. solid film. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if a movie makes me cry twice, it's doing something. I'm surprised. For me, so. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not that those aren't uh, emotional moments. It's just, it really hit you. And I, I was actually not thinking I was going to do it again the second time I watched it, and it totally did. Oh, so I was like, oh my God. That's like, yeah. I'll... It's so beautiful. Families who love each yeah, other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's going to average to 3.25. We're going to rate that down to a three out of five when we actually put it up on the list letterbox. But let's see, Dave, D, that's going to die with two other films. Do you think, Dave, that this is better or worse? Than the movie Cold War. Is it the Polish movie? It okay. is the black and white. Oh man, that thing looked so good. Looks way better. <laughs> but I hate to say it, I, I, this makes me like such a non-cinephile. Honestly, if someone asked me, like, which would you yeah, prefer to yeah. watch right now? Searching. I would watch Searching it's, again. It's the same problem with uh, Cold War. It's like yeah. beauty. I mean, inverse beauty, but it's just the story fails it mm -hmm. at the end. Okay, let's put it above. What's the other one? Deadpool two. Yeah, I'll put it in between. Which I would also put this above I know. Deadpool well, 2, you cried, to be honest. But uh, yeah. I think Deadpool You want to put it between? Yeah, I mean, I know this tries for more, but Deadpool is fun. I don't know. Tough one. You know, I'll defer to you. You can put it above. Put it above. Because then we'll look smarter. Right, we'll put it above. Yeah. It'll make us look more intelligent. So, that entering our list at the new number 13 position is Searching, right above Deadpool 2 and right below Black Klansman. <laughs> Okay. Well, we better see what we're watching here next week. I'm going to push this button here. Okay, well, we've seen like the genre exploration of like the dangers of technology in many ways, or like the uh, the way that technology has like infused itself into our lives. Okay. Now we're going to go into, I guess, more of the realistic version of that. We're going to watch Eighth Grade next week, Dave. Is that the bullying one? It's not really bullying, no. It's uh, the Drugs? directorial debut by Bo Burnham. Oh, um, two girls? About... It's about one girl. One girl. One girl going through her eighth grade. Mm, okay. I don't I don't know enough about it. And trying to be popular on Instagram. But I suspect with it was on Netflix and I'm going to have to pay for it. Who can say, Dave? <laughs> Who can say? All right. Great. Let's do it. Well, I'm, I'm off here now. I'm going to start to bully you on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you call that a post? Just photography? Oh. Ugh. I'm still scarred by the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang.